Hi friends, welcome to the Universal Sisterhood podcast. We're hoping to create a place where women can delve deeper, lift their gaze higher, live freer, laugh louder, smile brighter, and be the authentic woman she was designed to be. Every human heart has been created to be known, loved, and understood. So this is the place where women can share their story. Welcome to episode 83. In today's episode, I chat with Sally Hood. She is a doula from Toowoomba in Queensland and a mum to two beautiful little boys. Um, During this episode, we talk about birth, about empowering women in birth and how our bodies are such powerful things. They're sacred and we are able to have this really holy experience um, and the enemy knows that and he wants to attack us right there. I think this episode is going to appeal to all women, especially those who um, have given birth and have suffered trauma, um, women who are about to give birth and are afraid or are not sure that their bodies can handle it and for those that are supporting women in birth. It's a really special episode, so please consider sharing it with a friend if you found it helpful. Have a great day. Before we dive into the conversation, could you tell us who you are and what your life looks like right now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So my name's Sally Hood. I live in Toowoomba uh, in Queensland. I live here with my husband, David, and our two young boys, uh, Adonis, who is four, and Raphael, who is one and a half. Um, Yeah, I've worked in the church for about the last 10 years, um, working across a variety of different spaces uh, in youth and young adult ministry in the Archdiocese of Brisbane, um, working with uh, the Maris Brothers, uh, their youth ministry team, working uh, with Australian Catholic University and their pastoral care uh, campus ministry team um, before I became a mother myself. Um, and I have since then been the primary carer of my boys uh, and working with the Catholic Women's Network in the Archdiocese of Sydney currently. Beautiful. Yeah. Now, you've kind of moved into another space. Could you tell us what that is and and why you chose to to go in that direction? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, just this year, um, after gestating this uh, dream and passion for about the last three years, um, I launched my small business as a birthkeeper and doula. Um, And yeah, I I mean, the why behind that uh, goes right back four years ago to the birth of my son. Um, I think that's quite, it's always quite a monumental experience for a lot of women, but particularly women who move into birth work, um, their own birth experiences often are a big catalyst for for their stepping into that journey. Um, So for myself, uh, we hired a wonderful doula um, her name was Jenny Barnard, and uh, she herself is a Catholic woman um, who had had, uh, she's got six or seven kids, I think, um, and had had, I think, five of those 
babies at home and had wonderful birth experiences and had stepped uh, into the work of a doula herself, herself and her husband, both in the medical um, kind of world. But then uh, she spent the you know next few decades working as a doula. So Jenny um, really witnessed to me the work of a doula, but also um, this world that I didn't know could exist, which was um, Catholic and Christian women who were working in the birth space. Uh, and it really just opened my eyes, but also just, I think, cracked open a part of my heart that just yearned for more of this, um, for more Catholic and Christian women to have a birth support, uh, like a doula um, or a birth keeper, to walk that journey with them into motherhood, um, whether it was their first, you know, walk into motherhood or their tenth. Um, I believe that every woman deserves uh, that one-on-one continuity of care support in their, their birthing journey. Mm, beautiful. I, I remember when I was having my second, I think, a friend of mine said that, or maybe maybe it was my third, a friend of mine said that she was she had a doula. And I thought, what on earth is a doula? I had never heard of a doula mm. before. So that mm. was, how was she? That was 15 years ago. Yep. And I kind of thought, why on earth do you need a doula for? But having gone through birth many times myself, um, I realised like, the need to have somebody there for support but also encouragement and um, to, to really, um, I think, maybe uphold what you're doing, give, give, give what you're doing a, a place of um, dignity I think it's really mm. important. Yeah. And if I was to ever do it again, hurtling <laughs> towards 50, I don't think God has that in store for me. I'm 45. Yeah. Um, it's not impossible. No, um, never say never. <laughs> oh, I know. Um, but I think I would probably do uh, ask to have a doula there. Um, another woman who, especially a Catholic or a Christian woman who, can give me the the that holy lens, that lens of um, of bringing real um, spirituality to the whole birthing process, because I think it's become so secularized, mm-hmm. and um, the the power of women has kind of been taken away. Would you agree? Mm. Oh, absolutely, and I I think that's um. Birth is is now seen in the mainstream um, and by and large as a medical event and it's not and it never should have been seen that way. Um, We're seeing rates of birth trauma that we've never seen before. We're seeing rates of birth intervention that we've never seen before. Um, 80% of women in Australia are walking out of their birthing experience having a surgical intervention. Um, One in three women are walking out of their birth experience traumatised. We've just had one of the largest studies um, in Australia called the Birth Experience Study, and it's still being, all the data is still being worked through um, by a team in Sydney, but there was nearly 9,000 women who wrote in to that study with their experiences. 
And they collected a lot of um, data around uh, birth trauma and obstetric violence. Um, and some of the themes that emerged from, from that data were just mind-blowing and quite, quite dehumanising, really, um, mm-hmm. if you look at it. And um, I'm just going to pull it up so I don't misquote it, but there were three, they analysed the, the comments that, uh, that women left in the study about their birth experience and particularly about birth trauma. And um, they, I'm just going to read to you, there were, there were three main, out of the 600 plus comments, there were the top three themes that emerged were that women left the birthing experience feeling dehumanised, violated and powerless. Mm. Now, <laughs> as Catholic and Christian women, we should be rioting in the streets mm. about this. Right, like we do such a great job as a church and as a faith, um, standing up for life and for um, the dignity of the human person in so many ways. We do this so well, and this is one of the ways we do it horrendously. Mm. We we leave women, actually, we lead women into these institutions that butcher them and literally tear them apart. Um, and dehumanise them. And yes, the safety and the health of the baby is vitally important and shouldn't ever be discounted, but nor should the safety psychologically and emotionally and physically of the mother, you know. Um, so this is like a hill I will die on, right? <laughs> that um, there, there is power in birth, um, and the enemy knows that, and you know the enemy uh, will always try and scatter and destroy, you know, by dividing. Um, and I look around with a, a pretty logical, theological lens. I look around at the Catholic and Christian communities, and I am just dumbfounded that we have let birth, this powerful, sacred, holy experience. We have let it be taken captive mm. by the enemy and we are so okay with seeing our women traumatised mm. and we are so okay with these babies entering the world in trauma. Um, and, you know, <laughs> the, you don't have to have a, a theology degree to, to really like nitpick this any deeper than the fact that Christ was born into the world, you know, through the womb of Mary. Um, this is a sacred and holy space for each of us as women. Um, it has an underpinning for our motherhood and for the rest of our lives. Um, and we need to care more about it. Yeah. Wow. When you were saying that, do you... Clearly, there is a connection between our the secular mentality around birth control and that the women's woman's body is broken and needs to be fixed, and yeah. that our fertility is kind of is a disease, yeah. and that um, you know actually when you do fall pregnant, it means your body is doing what it's meant to be doing, mm. and so the that mentality that fertility is is wrong or it's you know it's a hassle mm. or it's just some it's it's not the natural way of the female body mm. their response is 
that dehumanizing in like you know that, that labor is just mm. is a machine yeah. like you, you are a machine yeah. you just got to get that baby out there's nothing yeah absolutely see. like there's there's no way around it other than seeing that you know things like the pill are um ways of repressing women and um ways of you know, it's the subtle, you know, like uh, your first period often back in the day would have been called the curse. I remember my mum talking about that's what it was called. Um, you know, your first bleed was, oh, you've got the curse. Um, now, like if we haven't swallowed a pill of lies there. Um, that or, oh, oh, darling, bleed, I'm so sorry. This is the yes, beginning of how the devastating. end. Yeah, yeah, instead of... Yep. Welcome. This is amazing. I know, right? This is a sign of your fertility. This is a sign of your life-bearing ability. A sign of your um, this, yeah, we should be we should be celebrating this. And yet it's it's dirty, it's shame-filled, it's um it's dehumanizing. It's it, yeah, and so you know that um I guess the corruption of the beauty there in our menarch or in our first bleed um it then sends that ongoing signal throughout our our entry into womanhood that my body's broken, my body is something I should be sh- ashamed of. Um, you know, even the messaging we give around the way that we bleed, you mm. know, like, oh, you've got to, it's like you've got to be put in this dark room for yes. days on end and yeah. be drugged to your eyeballs. And, and I'm saying this as someone who has yep. stage four endometriosis. So yep. I, I get it, but um, really, is that, is that what God's vision for like our menstrual cycle was? I don't, I don't mm. buy it, you know. And it's so I think it does kind of directly translate into the way we then see our yep. bodies leading into um, womanhood and birth. How do we change that narrative? Mm. <laughs> That's a question. great question. I think I might be grappling with this question probably for the rest of my life. Um, how do we change it? We need to. Uh, I actually think we each need to take ownership for our trauma uh, mm. around this space. We we all have will have trauma around mm. this space from from your menarch, from your first bleed, through to uh, the way you were initiated into womanhood, um, mm. through sexual experiences, whether they were, um, you know, hopefully for some women that that was a beautiful, loving respectful thing that um you know was really sacramental for a lot of women that's not the case Mm. um you know we've got to start to look at our trauma and then our trauma in birth and I see far too many women Catholic and Christian women who are um traumatized who aren't aware of their trauma and are probably without knowing um continuing to I guess, build the narrative, which the mainstream media has already done for us around birth. And it continues to perpetuate this cycle where we we just see the, the vast majority of women going into birth completely blind to what's happening. Um, they're, they're, they're just sold these lies, basically, of um, your body's broken, you won't be able to birth properly, it's going to be horrendously painful, Basically, be quiet, lie on your back, get an epidural, mm. push out a baby if you're lucky. If not, go and get a C-section and get over it. Um, yeah. And this perpetuation of our trauma, I think, is a really big part of the problem. Um, 
it's not easy to confront your trauma. It's not, it's not easy. Um, and I say that as someone who has experienced birth trauma and, but I've, and I've done the work, you know, I've gone there and, and dug deep into those wounds. And um, I just, I think that's really probably where we need to start. Yeah. So your first baby I'm, I'm taking was traumatic, which led you no, on this No, I went the second way. <laughs> no, I, um, I flipped the narrative. I had a beautiful, empowering, calm, quite ecstatic first birth. And I had a second birth that was really, really hard and um, some experiences with care providers that w- were quite traumatic. Um, and it's also probably a case of the more you know, the more you know, right? So in the sense of um, I knew I knew what I wanted. When you start to claim a little bit around what you want and what you're willing or not willing to do, um, we want more. We want more of the goodness and the power and the glory that God has got to offer us in those moments and in those experiences. So, um, yeah, so I kind of, it's often the other way around, but um, I like to, you know, be an anomaly. Don't worry. Mine progressively got worse <laughs> until my sixth. Mm, beautiful. My sixth birth was so beautiful. Like it was such a gift and mm. I am. Um, yeah, it was so special, and and I and I think that's why I realized what I could have had, mm. mm-hmm. but I didn't with the mm. others. You know, for all different reasons, there were mm. lots. Of, every yeah. birth was different, and every birth yeah. had its own trauma. Mm. Um, but having my the sixth my sixth live birth, which was so beautiful, I realized what. I could have had, and that brought me heartache. Mm. Yeah, um, that's it. Sometimes it's not that until I need to we revisit get a taste. And, you know. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's not until you get that taste of how things can be that you then realise how robbed you feel. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the the woman is so powerful. She's the one. That, she's got the strength and the grace to conceive a child to gestate a child, to nourish a child, to suffer for that child, to pray for that child, to cry for that child, to birth the child, you know, labour it, feed Mm. it, and then Mm. bring that child into being. There is such power and it's shut down. Yeah. And when you think of it that way, Jess, like of course it's shut down, right? Mm. If Imagine what our world and our church would look like if every mother was standing in her power, mm. her God-given power that that God has written for us, that is ready there to be claimed. But of course it's something that's going to be attacked because imagine what that would do. Yeah. And that that is why the devil is afraid of Our Lady. Mm-hmm. She lives fully in her God-given feminine power and she can take him down. Imagine a world full of women. Mm. He'd have no he'd have no hope. No hope. No hope. <laughs> and imagine yeah. how united we would be, you know, as a sisterhood. Like Yeah. Yeah. There would be um there would be no there would be no messing with us, would there? No. 
There's a there's a woman in the States who wrote a book called Made for This. Her name's Mary Hazelton. I think that's how you pronounce her surname. Not 100% sure. I haven't read the book, but I've been on social media long enough to see when her book came out. And I had, it was only a few years ago, and yeah. I had, my last baby was already three. And I thought, oh, I wish I had that book, you know, 20 years ago. Um yeah. But she says that your birth matters and God wants to meet you there. And I thought how powerful that we can use these um, beautiful ways to meet God there. Yeah. Um, did you meet him there? Yeah, it's, um, it's one of those uh, like small S sacraments, I think. It's one of those, and when I say that, obviously when I say small S, I mean it's not a a sacrament of the church. It's a mm. sacrament of daily life, meaning it's a window through which we get to see and experience God. It's one of those thinly veiled um, moments where, like it gives me goosebumps even thinking about it, where the tangible nature of God is just, um, is yeah, so present. Um and yeah, I definitely did. I mean, definitely in my first birth, um, I was in a, I think, a better space to be able to receive that. Um, but yeah, read that quote to me again, Jen. Oh, read which? The quote? Yeah, the quote from... Oh, yeah, she uh, says from, um, your birth matters and God wants to meet you there. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and it, and it just even reminds me, like... Uh, you know, the way that God has created us, like he's created us with free will. He's created us with intellect for a reason. Um, and I, I think it can be, um, again, quite a, I don't know if it's a response to trauma or it's a response, like a covering up of maybe vulnerability, but there's often this narrative of like, oh, I don't need to learn everything about birth. Just I'll just go in and wing it. Um if I had a dollar for every like Catholic or Christian woman, I've heard say, "Oh, I'll just go and go in and wing it um, about birth," <laughs> like I'd be so rich. Um, or oh, I won't write a birth plan; I'll just wing it. Um, like you're talking that... to one. Yeah, <laughs> and I regret it. <laughs> yeah, it's um, and yeah, it, like you know, the way that God has created us, He's created us with free will so we can do what we want but he's created us with intellect and there is a lot to be said for you know knowledge is power and knowing how to navigate the way that we birth in this 21st century um which is probably more complicated in a lot of ways than we've ever birthed before because we have more options and more but it's just a deeply ingrained fear-based medicalized system um that really uh, coerces women into, um, you know, these cascade of interventions that for the most part is uh, wholeheartedly unnecessary. Um, and that's not to say there will be women who will listen to that, who will say, who will feel, um, well, you know, I, I really did need medical intervention and I'm not saying that that's not the case. There are, there is always true medical need but the rate at which we are using these medical interventions is just, it's got to stop. Um, and we need to use our free will and our intellect as Catholic and Christian women to, to do better in this space, yeah. I think, I think one thing that I always, when I think back, I doubted myself. Mm. I doubted my 
my my ability to stand up for what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, stating your preference as a as a woman is um is something that a lot of us haven't had a lot of practice in. Yeah. Um yeah. you know, you see it even in the way that we write emails, you know, like just wondering about this or, you know, just wondering about that, yeah, you know, sorry. like Yeah. And I hope um, that was okay. Yeah, lots of smiley faces, lots of exclamation marks. Hope you don't hate me. You know, like it's just all these subtle undertones yep. of yep. I can't I don't back myself and yep. Um, I don't want to offend someone and I don't want to step on toes and you know what yeah there's there is a lot there around um, stating your preference but also just stating your desires of, of what do I want from this and that's a vulnerable thing to do because when you you know on, on the one hand if you're going in saying I don't care how this turns out whatever I'll just wing it you've set the bar so low that there's nowhere to go, right? Mm-hmm. So if it goes catastrophically, then oh well. And anything That's above that is, a, yeah, right. And anything above that is um like oh well, that was a nice little surprise that that was enjoyable or whatever, empowering. On the other hand, if you if you really dig deep and arm yourself with knowledge and prayer and wisdom and support, and you say actually I've got a vision how I want to experience this and I feel like this is a God-given gift that I want to press into, um, that's a really vulnerable thing to do, you know. Um, that's a lot more vulnerable to do that than to just kind of say, well, I don't really care. Yeah. I think the fear there is what if it doesn't go the way I want it? Mm. Like the disappointment that sets in. But there's the vulnerability, I suppose. Yes. And there's the, you know, the opportunities for us to learn um you know, so much of the, the mystery of God, you know, we're not going to, we're never in control. We're never, um, you know, we, we can't, we can't manifest what we want, you know, in any moment we are, we're a body soul composite, but we are ultimately um, at the grace of God, you know, and um, I, I believe sometimes we get the births that we, we need and not sometimes the births that we want. Um, but I do believe that, um, there's not a lot to lose when you press into the fullness of what's on offer. There's a lot to gain. Um, there's a lot to gain. Archbishop Fulton Sheen said about birth, and I didn't know he had an opinion about birth, but he, he does. <laughs> yeah. And he said, birth is sacred. Birth is the exclusive and holy place where women are invited to become co-redeemers with Christ. The powerful work of birth not only brings a new image of God into the world, but it even has the ability to help rid the world of sin and its effects. And that's the power that we have. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And that's it, you know, like being, we're called to be co-creators, you know, in our, in our conception of these babies. And then we're called to be co-redeemers in our birthing of these babies. And yet so many of us just bypass it. We just, we just tap out and numb or dissociate ourselves mm-hmm. from this experience. Um, or we walk in with. blind. Yeah, or we walk in blind. You know, it, it might not be fair of me to say, you know, that because there are probably some people who just willingly trust the system and walk into the system expecting that I, I hope I have a, a positive experience. And unfortunately, the statistics and the reality unfortunately in our in our society at the moment is that you're you're unlikely 
to walk out of that mm. uh, that birth having had a positive experience. I, I think you're, I went in thinking this women have been doing this from the beginning of eternity. It's not a big deal. It has to happen. Surely um, there's not much that can go wrong. That was me. Lots can go wrong, I soon discovered. But um, maybe I didn't trust my ability. I think I didn't trust my ability or my mm. my um, my voice. Mm. I just mm -hmm. let them leave. But I, I kind of, I didn't go in thinking I'm going to numb out. I went in thinking this is natural, yeah. you know. This yes. has to happen. It's it's this is how yeah. mankind has kept going for Absolutely. And but and this is the thing, right? I think there's this idea that, okay, well, you know, yeah, exactly. How did the human race perpetuate itself without, you know, birth being, mm. you know, something that just happens? And there's truth in that. However, we've never birthed in a system like we're seeing right now that is so, you know, it, it is um it is so litigious. It is fear-based. It is um, over-medicalized. Uh, you know, like from 37 onwards, you're geriatric and high risk. Um, you know, like uh, the list goes on. Like there's there's every which way you look at it. Um, there is fear laced in in this system. Um, and like I said earlier, there is you know the World Health Organization Health Organization has looked at birth across the world and says usually there's 10 to 15% of women who require true medical need, you know, and that's where that medical system is absolutely at its best. You know, they can, they can do a cesarean beautifully. They can help intervene and get that baby out safely and save the mother beautifully in that 10 to 15%. However, the vast majority don't need uh, those interventions and, and for the vast majority, as you were saying, our bodies do know how to birth these babies. However, we walk into a system that um, doesn't promote physiology. You know, so if you look at uh, other mammals and how they give birth, they seclude themselves off. You know, nature nature is quite incredible, and the way that God has created us um, for all of this hormonal interplay that needs to take place for birth. To, to go well um you know like for example if you've had a cat before when a cat gives birth they don't uh jump on a cold sterile bed in fluorescent lights you know <laughs> like and expect that all to just unfold well um that's not the physiology of a mammal a mammal needs for that oxytocin to flow um a mammal needs to feel safe and uh I don't know many of us that go to a hospital feeling safe. I don't know many of us that see things like sterile light, uh, you know, sterile beds and fluorescent lights and beeping machines and people we don't know um, making us feel safe, you know. So, And I'm not saying that um, hospital births can't be physiological. They can be, but you need to arm yourself with a lot of knowledge of how the system works uh, and how birth unfolds in a physiological way, you know, for the, for the hormonal interplay to take place. Yeah. I know, I know I've got to hospital a few times and then the contractions have stopped. Yeah. <laughs> and that's because I... adrenaline and cortisol um, 
they directly inhibit your body's production of prostaglandins and oxytocin, and um, th- which drive labor. Um, yeah. And that's because your body, uh, so, you know, as mammals, if we are being chased by a tiger and we're in labor, our bodies will literally stop laboring mm. so that we can hold on to the baby, get to safety, and then labor will start again. And um, it's the same thing. You know, a lot of us go to hospital and up. Oh, your labor stalled um, and you've failed to progress, which, oh, don't even get me started on the terminology we use, you know, failure to progress and you've got an incompetent cervix or an irritable uterus or, a, oh, like all of these things. Um, but, yeah, you know, like we walk, we walk into these places expecting and it, it's the equivalent for our brains and for our physiology of walking out into you know, um, into a lion's den and expecting to be able to, oh, well, I won't, I won't go into that flight or fight response, but it is. And so this is where, um, you know, a lot of women do feel a sense of safety birthing in a hospital and that's okay, but this is where the support um, and the continuity of care of either a private midwife or a doula um, is really important because they can help shepherd you into those spaces and protect physiology and protect um, you know, like you as a labouring woman, when you are in labour, um, your brain, your neo, your neocortex goes offline, basically. So you're not meant to be thinking. You're not meant to be in that rational thinking part of your brain. Um, it's actually the antithesis of what uh, what is meant to be happening in labour. So you shouldn't be thinking about what conversations I need to have or who do I need to tell my birth plan or actually I, want, I need to tell them that I don't want that. Um, that, that is not, that's kind of the direct opposite of what a labouring woman's brain needs to be doing. So can I clearly distinctly remember for at least four of my births, them saying, do you need to push? And I said, I don't know. Mm. I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know if I need to. Yeah. So I, can I, I just I, tell you right now, if you needed to push, you wouldn't even be able to talk. That's right. So I'm thinking right? you so, don't need to, like... If they're asking, they're, they're asking, asking the wrong question. Yeah. 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 So the fetal ejection reflex, if you... I asked this question on my Instagram stories a few weeks ago, and um, the responses of women who have experienced the fetal ejection reflex, which is a reflex, so it's not something that you can do willingly. It's something that your body will take over, right? Um uh, the way they describe it, so many of these women, and this is the way I personally have described it, is like your whole body needs to vomit that baby out of your vagina, right? Like it is, it feels like vomiting, but backwards, yeah? Down, down uh, mm, and it is not something that you can manufacture. It, um, yeah. The thing so, is, are they asking that so that they can get on with whatever? Yeah, because you're on they, a These timeline. are all natural births, you know? Like, yeah. But the second you walk into that system, Jess, you're on a timeline, right? So you, and you know, we still see this. This is outdated um, information that has no evidence to back it up, but we still see this being used in hospitals. You're meant to dilate one centimeter every hour. That statement is so reductionist, it's dehumanizing, and it's causing trauma because women like yourselves are put on a clock. And um, guess what? After 10 hours, you're meant to be fully dilated and we need you to push. But do we truly believe that every woman's body is meant to just know, A, know what a clock is, 
be, you know, like dilate to the same point by the same time. Like we've all got such individual physiology. Um, yeah, it's just madness to expect that. Yeah. Um, yeah and I remember one once there was a, I had a student midwife in there and his name was Lachlan. I've never ch named one of my children Lachlan. I don't have <laughs> uh -oh. anything against the name Lachlan, but I will never <laughs> name one of my children Lachlan because yeah. I had Lockie, the, the um, student midwife, who came in with a miner's lamp on. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> And the, the doctor said, can he, can he um, examine you? And I said, no, not right now. Not. Mm. He said, when I'm fully dilated and I have no idea that he's, you know, there, sure, but not now. Mm. Anyway, when I needed to push, Lockie was on his lunch break and the midwife said, can you just hold on? I've got to go and get Lockie. <laughs> she, I said, I'm sorry, I'm not waiting for Lockie to come off his lunch oh, break. Oh, my goodness. Oh my goodness! There's so much wrong about what you just said. <laughs> wait for it. Can you Lock just wait? Oh yeah, sure. No, I'll just stop labouring. Can you wait? To just don't push yet. No wonder I've got trauma. Mm, right, and this is happening every day, like with women. And you know, like there are horrendous stories um, every day of obstetric violence and obstetric rape, um, where. Women are having midwives putting their hands in their vagina, pushing their baby's head back up, saying, you need to wait until the obstetrician comes. Like, we, we are, um, that's rape. And we, and we need to call it what it is. Um, for someone to put their fingers inside you without their consent in labour, it's rape. And we need to call it what it is. And we need to have the Me Too movement for birth in a redeemed way of saying this is enough this is a beautiful uh complex experience that i don't need it to be dehumanized and i shouldn't be traumatized wow. about it once we've processed processed it like i want to see some righteous anger in this space from mm. some catholic and christian women of saying i'm not okay with this i'm mm. not i'm not okay with this happening to my body and my baby. I'm not okay with this happening to my sisters. I'm not okay with this happening to my daughters or my granddaughters. Like enough, you know, enough is enough. And um, this stops with me. This stops with me. And and that means taking radical responsibility of um, of our of our bodies and like of our births, really. So so how do we get hold of you? <laughs> <laughs> have you delivered any babies or you haven't finished your um, daughtership? <laughs> so again, that's that's even just one of the one of the phrases that we hear in society, right? Like delivering babies and like no one delivers your baby, like it's not a pizza, you know, you birth your baby. So it's even just this, isn't it it's just this subtle interweaving of the language in our culture. Yeah. I haven't I haven't seen any women birth their babies yet. <laughs> I haven't um caught any babies yet you haven't uh, seen any woman empower her child exactly amen and but I but I will and I'm excited um for when that comes um I'm in an interesting space at the moment where I'm still you know I've got a one and a half year old and I'm still breastfeeding him during the night so I'm not quite ready to step into the on-call space yet but I'm hoping in the next year that that'll um start to happen and I'm supporting women at the moment uh in the postpartum doula space which is really beautiful and um as well as 
supporting women just in their pregnancies. Oh wow, that needs a that needs a lot of support there too. Doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Breastfeeding and yeah, yep, just, bonding, yep, reclaiming. I heard, I heard something the other day that women like we should not be passing our babies around in that mm. those first few weeks. Like they should yeah. be. They should be on on and, you or next to us. I know. Well, I co-sleep with my babies and have yeah. all, with all of them only because it was the only way I could survive. Yeah. But I yeah. don't regret it. No. And, I, again, it's one of these lies that we've been sold of, you know, that, um, oh, we know we know better. We know better than your mothering instincts that, no, put the baby, you know, in the crib and walk away um, rather than actually your baby in those early, early days, like it's the fourth trimester. It's it's they're learning life outside of the womb. Like who would want to be put in a cold, dark crib and and left alone when you've just spent nine months in the most cozy, beautiful, warm womb that smells familiar and has food on tap. Yeah. Um, and now it's cold and bright and loud, and all these strange people keep Lovely. taking me away from my mum. Yeah. Um, like, of course, they're not going to like it, you know. So it's, and this is the thing like, right, once you start to unravel some of the lies in that are laced into womanhood and birth, it, then you start to see where it's come into our motherhood. Um, it's kind of it's, separating yeah. you from your child. Absolutely. It's, it's at from the essence of it. It's, Pull, it's your pulling maternity. you away from your maternity and your power and yeah. your um, your God-given birthright to yeah. be. Your power. Like you have power. Mm. Yeah, and God wants that. us to have power. Like yeah. it's, um, it's the way he created us to bear yeah. these babies and to shepherd these babies into the world. And um, I want to see women starting to step up and claim that power. Because it will transform your motherhood. You know, it um, it's neuroprotective. Like a, a woman who has a, a power, like an empowered, positive birth experience, um, it's neuroprotective for you and the baby. Like your the, the evidence backs this up that your rates of breastfeeding and bonding and uh, are increased, and your rates of postpartum depression and anxiety are decreased. It's um, it's very clever. You know, the the highest peak of oxytocin you'll ever have in your life uh, at three events, childbirth, breastfeeding, and orgasm. And there's a reason, right? All of those three things all go together. It's literally the circle of life, you know, that the beautiful embrace of man and woman, you know, leading to the life gift that leads to, you know, the nourishment of, of the babe at the breast. Like it's all... Yeah. God's God's got this, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like His design is perfect. Right? So why it do we keep intervening? Perfect. I know. Why do we? Yeah, because we don't trust. We don't trust it, and him. um, yeah, we don't trust him exactly. And we also want the power. I, I think the enemy really does see that the power lies here. Um, and uh, it's it's something to to attack. Yeah. Wow. I was uh, doing some reading around rites of passage, uh, particularly for women. And, um, you know, we talk about rites of passage, you know, around menarche, so our first bleed, which is, you know, the entry into our fertility. Um, there's rites of passage into birth. Uh, and then there's rites of pas passage into menopause. And some sociology uh, study was done into 
which animals on this planet live past menopause? Because from a biological, sociological perspective, it doesn't really make sense to live past your fertility, does it, right? Like um, basically an organism exists to reproduce and then it dies. Um, whereas humans and uh, seven other mammals are the only ones really that live past our fertility. And um, so it's humans and uh six different species of whales and um, they looked to the whales right of like why 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 do they do this in nature you know why because it kind of makes sense we're the most evolved species so maybe we've got it all figured out but why is this still happening with these whales and what they noticed was um, these female whales once they moved through menopause and past their fertile years they then become became the leaders of their you know so they became essentially leaders of their community and um, I think it's such a beautiful and powerful thing for us to reflect on as women uh, that 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 entry into motherhood through birth is such a huge and monumental experience but that entry into uh, the next stage of life through menopause um, is also really huge and also is often shamed and ridiculed and joked about and it's not a powerful experience for the majority of women um, but it's an invitation into your wisdom years and into your years of being the matriarch and leading a community and leading your family and um, in, in, in that feminine way like unleashing your feminine genius in in that next level really so um yeah it's pretty cool it's, it's reaffirming that womanhood yeah it's beautiful and it's also giving women a chance to um reclaim or um reaffirm those those feelings that maybe they didn't have a beautiful experience yeah. um, with yeah. birth or with motherhood um or they they believed the lies that the world has been feeding them but here here's another opportunity because women are so good and yeah. god has given you know women such a special role in the world here's another mm -hmm. opportunity for you to harness and and reclaim yeah. yeah and imagine just like if we saw women moving through that rite of passage of menopause into their wisdom years women who had dealt with their trauma and mm. you know had taken those wounds to christ so that their wounds were not wounds anymore, but they were shining with the light of Christ. Imagine how powerful that group of women could be to mentor and to lead yeah. and to nurture and to shepherd and to guide yeah. the maidens, you know, who are walking through their first, you know, their menarch or and into motherhood and into these spaces where we need, you know, if you look at cultures and the way that they enact rites of passage, um, they're not done alone. They're done as a communal experience. They're done as um, you know, something where they're shepherded by the wise elders of that community. Um, and we are so disconnected. We're so disconnected from that kind of culture. We, we mother in isolation. We live in isolation. Um, it's not the way it's meant to be. Um, but, yeah, imagine the power that could be unleashed. Not only isolation but in shame. Mm, yes, yes. Feeling yes. that, you know, it's, it's, it's a shameful place to be. I know... I'm hurtling towards that that second phase of life, <laughs> um, but along comes the jokes, you know, yeah. and the you know, oh, he, you had the curse, now you've got the second, you know, yeah. 
Yep, the second curse, isn't it? Yeah, the hot flushes, mm. the weight gain. Yeah. Um, no one looks forward to it. Yeah. But if and that's you it, it's saw again it as an opportunity. That, yeah, it's that weaving of the same message of your body's broken mm. and you can't do this and um, you need to numb yourself or dissociate yourself out of this experience. And um, what a shame, again, that another rite of passage that can be a powerful, refining, I'm sure very difficult um, and at times probably painful, unenjoyable experience. And yet it holds power for our womanhood. Um, but it's it's ridiculed. Yeah, and it's laced with so many lies. Mm, so many lies. But, but but as you said before, if, if we could redeem that, imagine if we, we get to that phase in our life healed, imagine how much healing we could do. So much, so much. And it's never too late, is it? You know, we're always no. going to have, we're always going to have stuff to work on. Yeah. Um, the reality of living in a fallen world, we're always going to have things that we need to take to God and things that we need to take to wise counsel. Um but it's it's about being on that journey and about being intentional about mm. being on it. Well, I'm going to finish with this quote from Anne Voskamp, who I have mentioned her several times on this podcast before, but it is so fitting for this episode and such a beautiful reminder that I'm going to read it again because she says, God chose to make his entry point into the world through the holy space of a woman, to enfold himself inside of a woman, to drink of a woman, to be held and nourished and cared for by a woman. That's the jilting truth of how God loves woman with his honour. And I think we really need to reclaim that and and embrace our womanhood and our motherhood and our maternity because it has been so shamed for so long. Mm, hasn't it? And, and you know, like... I, I often see this around Christmas time in the birth world. You see um, lots of memes of like, well, Mary had a home birth. <laughs> Mary had a free birth. You know, she had an unassisted home birth or whatever. Um, if it was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for my baby. And, you know, again, like I said, there is true medical need for a, a minority of the population. And that's where our hospitals are great. But let's reclaim this. Like for the vast majority of us, like your body's not broken. Your baby isn't stupid. You know, you can do this. Um, and there is so much information out there now. Like we live in a, you know, such a connected, socially connected social media world. There's so much out there. Um, yes, you can find me on Instagram. I could clearly talk have, about this all day. Sorry, do you think it's the pressure to have the perfect birth? Like we're under so much pressure that so we just... Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Look, I mean, again, and that's the downside, isn't it? That's the dagger of social media is that we look at these highly curated um, experiences and we want to emulate, you know, what that will look like. But it's, I'd encourage people to think less about what it will look like and more about what it will feel like. You know, what will you feel like walking out of a positive, empowered birth experience? Because it's unlikely that it's going to look good. <laughs> Yeah, you know, like, and if it does look good, you're in the very, very small minority, and that's great. And look, there are some people that do birth so well that you just think, how, how do you look so great? But for the vast majority of us, it's going to look like a lot of roaring and moaning, and there's blood and poo and amniotic fluid everywhere. Yeah, and that's that's it. Like it's just so it's less about what it looks like and more about what it feels like and how. Yeah, how, how you walk out 
out of the you know the other side of that fire um I remember thinking I do not want my child to have poo on its head (laughs) yes I know but you know again God's design is so perfect why would why would you why would you let a baby come out of a hole that's right next to that other hole, right? Like you think, come on, man, that's not a great idea. And everyone, can I tell you, every woman fears pooing in labor. Like, spoiler alert, you're going to poo in labor, right? It's physiologically going to happen. But you know, like what's incredible, and again, there's been great research around this recently with the kind of just massive new understanding around the microbiome is it's called vaginal seeding. The, the baby's first mouthful of food outside of the amniotic fluid is your vaginal microbiome. And what that's laced with is likely to be fecal matter. And guess what fecal matter is rich in? Bacteria. Mm. You know, like there's fecal transplants taking place all across the world with like incredible success around kind of gut disease. And like our babies are brilliant. They know exactly what they need. They go, they come out of the birth canal with a mouthful of beautifully rich microbiome material straight to the breast where they get a beautifully rich mouthful of colostrum. Like Mm, if you leave birth alone, it's epic. Like, and once you start to look at it, you cannot be anything other than in awe of Mm. God's design and creation. Like it's, it's perfect. Mm. Wow. How beautiful. How, I, I wish, I, I do wish and I don't wish that I could do it again. <laughs> yeah. And this is it. You might be, you might be dueling some of your grandchildren That's into the exactly world one day. In a different, in a different phase. I, I will be doing it again in a different stage. Yes. Beautiful. Maybe the midwife, not yeah. the mother. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's exciting. Uh, well, it was so beautiful talking to you, Sally. Before yeah. I we finish our conversation I always ask my guests something that brought them joy this week so Mm. before we close is there something that brought you joy this week oh that's a really great question I I often notice in my motherhood that when I can stop and slow down a little bit the joy is there for the taking and I just Mm -hmm. sometimes can't see it um one moment this week was uh, it was last week, but it was in the last seven days. My husband and I were outside. He's on school holidays at the moment. And our one-and-a-half-year-old, was um, he loves the bins. It's quite odd. but um, Recycling, know, rubbish. He loves the rubbish truck, loves bins, thinks they're great, and um, loves birds. So, like, two of his favourite things. And a, bin, a bird flew down and landed on the bin. And he just had this whole body, like, <gasps> experience to it um just with baby babble you know and we just cracked up being like imagine being that overjoyed about a bird being on a bin um like it's a bit you know like it's a bit crazy but it was just one of those beautifully joyful moments where you just think when was the last time I had a whole body joy reaction like that you know imagine and this is what we're laughing about imagine if we walked around and we're like "Ah, coffee you know like how exciting um yeah like just so it was beautiful and it was grounding and it really helped us get back to that oh yeah like to enter the kingdom of god like we must become like children and you can see why because their whole body reaction to things that light up their soul is just so tangible 
How beautiful. Mm. Well, mine, I, I could be that joyful over my orchids. Have yes. Finally, after five years, my outside orchids flowered. And yeah. I have birthed. Mm, so you have. It, is, it has been, it's been a long like gestation. Elephant, it? yes. It's been like an <laughs> elephant gestation. And they have finally bloomed. And I am so excited. Yeah. I cannot wait to, to cut them and put them in a vase because they last for ages. Oh, do they? Oh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Great. These ones well, do. Five years of gestating, you'll want them to last a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a few sprigs, so I'll leave a few oh. out there, and one is definitely going in a vase next to our lady. Oh, you'll need to um, post a photo of them, Jess. I will. To see them. Don't you worry. It'll go up. Yeah. Yep. Surprised by joy. All right, Sally, Hi. thank you so much for the conversation. Thank go you. and enjoy those little babies of yours. I will. Thanks, Jess. Bless you. you. Bye.